Welcome to the Dirt Reporters podcast for the week of March 1st. I'm your host, D Swab, Derek Kessinger, joined by the editorial staff of Kevin Kovac, Robert Holman, and Kyle McFadden. Let the madness begin. It's my favorite time of the year. College hoops is uh, in full swing. We got conference tournaments this week. The NCAA tournament will be in a couple weeks, but Kovac, I don't know. Your Orange are going to miss the tournament again. Yeah, it doesn't look good for the Syracuse Orange. Uh, it's been two years in a row this will be. Unless they have some magic run in the ACC tournament, I think they're not they're not going to be in the in, in the in the big dance. So uh, that's that's not good. I don't know. I mean, what, what can you do? I guess I'm, I'm not, I don't get totally into them anymore. Like college basketball, when when you're double the age of the players now, it doesn't really. Yeah, I'm not too thrilled. I, these are just kids playing, so I, I just watch it and hope that they make it. And if not, no big deal. And they have no Pearl anymore. That's another reason as well, probably. No Pearl, no Derek Coleman, no Billy Owens, you know, all those guys. So <laughs> Sherman Douglas, those are my days. Robert, Kentucky's uh, getting hot at the right time. You ready? I bet a couple of weeks ago you were writing them off. It's over. Uh, Toshibwe needs to retire, stuff like that. But, hey, they're making a run now. When uh, when we were out there in Vado, uh, when that's when they lost to South Carolina. At that point, I swore I would never watch another game all season. And then, of course, five days later, I'm watching them and when they beat Tennessee. And uh, so so I'm back. They're back. I'm back. Everybody's <laughs> back. The band is back together. I'm back on board. And uh, and by the way, if for, for anyone listening I'm, or watching, I'm not a, a bandwagon fan. I'm, I'm a diehard. I was just very, very frustrated. Uh, but, yeah, they're, they're getting hot at the right time. Uh, and, uh, Hey, they're ranked, uh, this week for the first time. in I don't know, since probably gosh, since way back in maybe December or early January, they're, they're back on the polls. So, so yeah, getting hot at the right time and we'll see how it goes. I'm not, I'm just, I'm caught. I'm just, I'm lost. I'm optimistic. I'm, I'm not really, you know, like Kevin, I'm, I'm not putting too much stock into it just yet. And then, Kyle, we can't talk about their two teams. Maryland, they're, like, sneaky this year, ranked 21st, uh, looking pretty solid in the Big Ten, which is a crime in itself that they're in the Big Ten. Yeah, don't get me started on that. I uh, wish that we were still in that ACC, man. That Those those were the days. It just hasn't been the same since. But, yeah, I saw that. I love, love me some college basketball. Haven't really followed Maryland all that closely here this year. Actually, I coach high school basketball back here in maryland and we won our conference championship this past weekend so there we nice. go nice congrats yeah. there you go yeah. cutting down the nets man undefeated in conference play and uh, getting getting the madness rolling here pretty soon going to our national tournament here this week in ohio and so uh i guess the madness for me we're uh in the thick of it on the high school hoop scene but yeah college basketball you know march is my favorite month and and uh yeah it'll be going well Man, you're like the future Coach K here there, Kyle McFadden. Kovac, uh, enough basketball talk, but how was your off weekend? We uh, finally had a quiet. We could settle down a little bit, kind of digest what happened at Speed Weeks, take a deep, deep breath, and now we got racing coming up this weekend with the World of Outlaws at Smoky Mountain. But, you know, how was your weekend off? Yeah, it was weird not seeing any races. I mean, not even really having many, you know, big races at all to even – check out on you know on, on a stream or anything anywhere in the country it's one of those rare weekends where it was very quiet and uh i'm still just trying to get back on track of like a normal you know like schedule of uh times of eating and uh i mean i, I like I, I i can go i'm i'm one of the ones that can go to wawa even though i'm not in florida now i mean we have a wawa right here in in effort of pennsylvania uh Look and at a you. Also. must be nice yeah. and a sheets we have we could choose you know so it's a that's a, that's a pretty big, what a, what a town, huh? But, uh, but after going to Wawa for, I think, I think pretty much 13, 14 straight days while during Jeepers. speed weeks and most of them were 11 or 12 o'clock at night. Right. Right. D swab. <laughs> so, uh, it's, uh, I, I haven't been to one yet in the last week. And I'm also like, have to get back to actually not going to sleep at four or five in the morning, having Steve Gigas in the house, are the video, the Sports Plus video uh, legend, 
walking out of the house and doing his late night walks all over the neighborhood every night. You know, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm expecting the door to open at four in the morning and <laughs> hear it open and some guy walking out and him come back in singing, uh, as I'm typing a story. And, and also, uh, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's back to the normal, uh, times of life here, eating at five or six or seven o'clock, not at, uh, <laughs> not at midnight. So, uh, just trying to ease back into that. It's hard to do after four, after two weeks at speed weeks. Yeah. Always like those first few days, I'm like trying to go to sleep <laughs> and I can't just cause my body clock's just like way off, but I did drive all the way home from uh speed week. So that probably didn't help either. Robert, uh, you're going to be headed to Smoky Mountain this weekend. I had Boom Briggs on Suave Talk last week. He kind of wishes they had more than, you know, more time in between speed weeks because it's so long now. What's your thought on that? Because I know big time race for Roger Sellers and company. I think they'll have a good car count and a big crowd. But what do you think about what Boom said in my, you know, on the podcast last week? I, I think I think that we should, like, talk softly, talk very quietly when we talk about having this past weekend off because I'm sure there's <laughs> – a promoter out there licking his chops thinking, wait, an off weekend. How come we didn't schedule yeah. something? Well, we, we should have scheduled be a, a race. Be some race next week, national touring race or, you know, yeah, uh, next big time year, ultimate race. Yeah. I can see it. Next <laughs> year we'll have like five races to cover, but uh, a lot of it, we, there were a few races out there, but you know, some of it, uh, uh, the weather affected uh, about five or six events. And, and so there were some smaller races that, that uh, we didn't have to really worry about, thank goodness, because we all really kind of need that break after after Speed Weeks. Uh, I was just in the Smoky Mountains this past weekend. I went to Gatlinburg. I went up to Knoxville to a uh, the Outside Groove Trade Show. I, I picked. I had to go see my Schaefer's Oil guy, Mr. Ed Lowe. He he always takes care of me with a little bit of oil for our program, and I went to pick up a. Uh, a quarter panel for my race car. Talked to Mike Knuckles while I was up there. It's a, a, a kind of a low key type deal and uh, a good crowd up there at the uh, at the expositions, whatever the expo center, whatever it's called there by the zoo. I actually went to a trade show there in 1992, uh, so that just kind of shows you my age how how long ago it was the first time I've been back. But yeah. You know, it was good to have the weekend off, and I'm looking forward to not really looking forward to driving back up towards that direction because all of this March, the races, East Tennessee is just stacked and packed with big races. You know, so I'll be heading up there pretty much every weekend for the next four weeks. By the way, Kevin, I did get to stop at Bucky's this weekend. So, Oh, uh, but showcase. Bucky's, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Bucky's is, uh, and and I try not to because once you've been in a Bucky's, you you've been in a Bucky's. You don't really need to go back for, but uh, it was it was a Sunday. My wife and I were on our way home, and it was oh my god, it was crowded. It was it was insane. They were yelling every time they put some fresh brisket out on the the little thing. Oh, yeah, there, everybody starts right. screaming yep. and stuff, <laughs> and I'm like, we've got to get the hell out of here. Uh, and, and get home. So, uh, but yeah, uh, I am looking forward to getting to Smoky Mountain, not necessarily that drive back up there, but certainly looking forward to getting back to, to Roger Sellers uh, track, which is, you know, very historic track here in the state of Tennessee. Yeah. March 3rd and 4th world of outlaws at Smoky Mountain, big uh, spring national races as well. Kyle McFadden, they'll kick off Ray Cook stuff. Uh, Two tens at Swainsboro and Sonoa, or whatever how you say it. People say it differently throughout the uh, entire country. So, also big time racing there in the uh, Peach State. Yeah, for sure. Um, <clears throat> as Robert mentioned, you know, there's a lot of racing going on, kind of in that Tennessee Southern, uh, you know, region of our uh, of the U.S. And so, um, some other, you know events happening to port port world speedway is opening up their weekly program saw that as well and and so on uh, sunday and um cherokee also has a uh 604 race i'm looking at it now actually on our schedule and um so yeah you know uh march always seems to be kind of maybe that month that perhaps we forget about you know coming off of speed weeks and i guess uh everybody's kind of trying to get back into the swing of things or into the groove of things to start the year. And 
I guess me personally, I, I, I uh, racing in March kind of not takes the back burner, but uh, some races can get lost in the sauce, I guess, so to speak, with uh, all the basketball that is going on that we had mentioned uh, to start the show. But um, no, I mean, we have a good list of races here coming up. We've got spring nationals and uh, the outlaws coming back into the fold uh, to keep their season going. And, and so uh, I'll have have my eyes on all of it. And then obviously uh, at the end of the month too, have that big race at Bulls, Bulls Gap. So absolutely uh, don't sleep on, on, on the month of March. Yeah, the madness will begin. Kind of crazy that we're already uh, in March. Uh, before you know, it will be summertime, and then we'll be at the World 100 in September. Uh, the topic today, obviously the big uh, news in the offseason was that legendary track, as Robert said earlier in this podcast, Smoky Mountain, making it a little bit shorter. They reworked it, trying to make it you know, a little bit racier and stuff like that. Uh, Kovac, uh, your thoughts on that? We've had plenty of uh, racetracks that have – gone from a half mile, maybe make it a little smaller to try to get that racing better. But just what's your initial thoughts with the legendary track like Smoky Mountain? Amy, uh, talk to Devin Moran because I'm sure he had some practice on it too when you were uh, back down at Speed Weeks. Yeah, Devin was actually the first. Well, yeah, obviously he drives for uh, for uh, Roger Sellers, the owner of Smoky Mountain Speedway with Double Down Motorsports. Uh, and he got some uh, practice laps in there right before Speed Week started in January. They had already made the track shorter to three-eighths of a mile from four-tenths, almost a half, I guess. It used to even be bigger than that. I think they, uh, a four-tenths mile was a shortened-up version of what it used to be like back in the days when they had NASCAR races and, uh, and cup races there and stuff back in, you know, back in the older days um, when it was first built. But uh uh, Devin said that he really, you know, he couldn't get the total grasp of it yet. They still were still working on it at that point. Uh, they had to like do some adjustments to the banking. He said, and there's no wall now in between three and four, which is, that's going to be a real, you know, definitely a big change also where, uh, it was used to be a wall all the way around that place. And now, uh, they, they pulled in three and four and made that smaller. They did make to make it shorter. They didn't change like the kind of basically the radius of the turns, uh, it's still the same infield from front to the back, uh, but just smaller the other ways, uh, other, you know, from a first turn, second turn, a third and fourth turn, but no walls outside of three and four. Uh, they really couldn't work on the racetrack. He said, prepare it that well for that practice session he did because the uh, water truck, he said, the track prep stuff was basically still w- winterized uh, and wasn't ready to go. So uh, the only moisture he had in the car in the track, he said, was from some snow the night before. That's a little bit different uh, than uh, getting some get, using the water truck on it. He thought though that it was uh, it could be racy. Uh, he liked it as a shorter racetrack, uh, and that's basically what the the whole idea of is uh, of making these tracks shorter. So many of these big tracks, especially nowadays, now it's just. You know, they're hard on equipment. They're hard on uh, – it makes – it gets guys spread out. The, the racing gets spread out and, and and could be not as good. And that's what Roger Sellers is looking for, bring the racing closer together uh, with a smaller racetrack and and, and, get, and just basically give fans something else to see too. I mean, that, it kind of revitalizes these early season races or, or all the races at Spokey Mountain. Right, it's only right. a special only track. So now everybody could be like, man, I got to get there and see what this place is like. Yeah, it's definitely going to be different. It's a big time, long time dirt racetrack. Uh, very legendary, like Robert said. Robert, just how we see this throughout the country when the you know track switches you know shapes and sizes to make them smaller. A, I just think the racing's better. Obviously, I'm from Illinois, so I'm a bullring guy through and through. So anytime anything becomes smaller, I think it's going to be better. And B, just like Kovac said, how much it will not affect the equipment. Uh, you're not like putting those motors going full speeds constantly for 50 laps. Uh, maybe tires can last a little bit longer. It definitely helps out the race team and particularly maybe like the mid level to lower levels. They got to be a big fan of it as well. Yeah. I'm really, uh, I'm really excited to see how it races. Uh, and I, I'm one of those people who I'm always been an advocate for smaller facilities for smaller tracks, I should say. Uh, so I'm keeping my fingers crossed that this thing races great and and it makes Roger Sellers look like a genius because, you know, I've been to Smoky Mountain with my 
with my race car with my brother driving my car and uh broke a crank broke a crankshaft on like the last lap of our heat race it was a ray cook race and you know we were running in the back anyway uh, and our little we just didn't have the equipment that we needed to to run on a, a track that size against comp competition like that and we were out there just trying to survive so we could get to the rest of ray cook's races and we didn't uh you know we'd probably you know maybe i'm not going to blame the racetrack on on you know breaking a crankshaft because i guess we could have done things to prevent it we could have you know changed the gear ratio we could have done things we could have left the car on the trailer we could have done a lot of stuff but uh we just didn't have the equipment that we needed and i think that that's one of the things that is in you know that roger sellers is thinking that it will help those support classes. Now, when you have the World of Outlaws, Lucas Oil guys, the, the best of the best show up, they've got the best equipment there is, and they shouldn't have a problem running on these big tracks. They don't have a problem running at Alltech. They don't have a problem running at Eldora. You know, granted, it's hard on equipment, but they still show up and do it. But it will help tremendously I think the lower division guys, especially guys, not necessarily crate motor guys, but it'll help guys with, uh, with home built motors or boat motors built, you know, in a professional shop somewhere that aren't 40 and $50,000 motors that maybe are 15 to $20,000 motors. It will save those guys. And, and I think you'll see more. I'm not sure if you'll see more cars in like the sportsman, and crate class because those classes if you guys remember anytime they have a race at smoky mountain those classes are pretty good anyway but if they add other classes whether it be some kind of sportsman class or open wheel class or street stock i think that's what he's aiming for is to is to help those classes on nights like this where they can have go from 10 or 12 cars to maybe a full field of cars and uh and i think it's a great move i've never been one for the big racetracks there's uh until we got a crate motor i would never go to a big racetrack just because i know how much i know how, how little i spend on my stuff and i know that that i we shouldn't be there you know so uh and and for the record the night before we broke a crankshaft at smoky mountain we had ran um all of our prelims and stuff and qualified and all our stuff at with in a rural retreat uh virginia which is another monster track high speed track that we probably should not have been at so when you look at those two back to back it was really hard on our stuff you know to begin with so we probably just sort of left our stuff sitting in the trailer and after that i told my brother that we will never come back to this place until we have a different kind of motor or different our circumstances are different now crate motor completely different i feel comfortable going and competing at these tracks against other crate motors but but yeah i think roger sellers is, is has the right idea i think these other guys who make their tracks smaller have the right idea and i think it helps the racing helps the racers should help the fans uh, I'm a huge fan of it just all the way around. We got, we got put Rob, Derek's up on uh he's, he's got mute on. Can't hear him. Oh, oh classic. Just, I mean, now we have it. They just always, they now, always now we can hear me. Derek. Yes. We'll just keep rolling. Uh, Kyle, are you okay with all these tracks? Uh, becoming smaller because in your neck of the woods you like those big half miles obviously you have a select few like path valley that's pretty tiny but all in all those things are massive over in your neck of the woods because i don't know are you okay with all these tracks getting smaller just to you know improve the racing or what's your thoughts do you think it you know yeah um yeah lost you there toward towards the back half of that question there, Derek, but I think I got what you were trying to ask. Um, yeah, I guess like the closest or the one track that isn't too far for me that we've had reconfigured from a big half mile to something smaller is Bridgeport. And so in New Jersey, and I never watched any races on the Bridgeport half mile, only heard stories, only have watched old highlights and 
clips, but, um, you know, I've seen a few races now there in person at the four tenths mile that they had reconfigured, which almost looks like Lawrenceburg out in Indiana. Basically that was like the concept that, uh, I think Doug Rose was trying to go for when he was redesigning Bridgeport and what they have done to that facility and to that racing surface and just how the racetrack is right now is absolutely uh, phenomenal. And so um, in terms of like Smoky Mountain, I'm not sure. Well, I am for it. And so I believe that that the racing product will be absolutely better than what it was. Um, not that it was terrible or atrocious to begin with. I think every, every promoter, every track owner and operator, you know, has to make that call. That's a judgment call. It obviously goes into, you know, more than just wanting to make a decision to reconfigure and completely blow, blow up a racetrack or change one end of the racetrack to shorten it up. I mean, there's so many, obvious variables and driving factors that go into what needs to happen to, to reconfigure a racetrack. But yeah, no, I mean, it, it, it seems like we're seeing this more and more and, you know, it, it seems like every other year or perhaps every year, it seems maybe there's some, some tracks that uh, I'm unaware of that have gone that route in in terms of, uh, you know, reconfiguring and, redesigning but it seems like almost every other year uh you know more tracks are are redesigning their layout in some way shape or form and so i i know that a uh, bridgeport was more of a safety thing um that their bigger half mile really needed to be shortened up or something needed to be done there and and uh they did a wonderful job there and so smoky mountain was more uh I guess evolving with the times and 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 trying to make it more friendly, as Robert had mentioned to uh, the uh, local racer, the regional racer, and and so I'm all for it. I mean, it 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 meets all the criteria, it checks all the boxes. It seems for what you would look for for a track that is redesigned and uh, three eighth three eighths mile race tracks. You know, we don't have a whole lot of those in Pennsylvania or tracks smaller than uh a three-eighth mile but yeah path valleys in our area and, and always appreciate going there to the bull rings and then obviously to your neck of the woods there Derek in illinois and so yeah we always need a variety right of racetracks uh on the schedule and uh, it gets monotonous and it gets boring when you you know see the same show or you know when something's not working um on the uh on the current layout that you have. So I'm all for it. And uh, I'm sure it'll work well um, here moving forward for Roger Sellers and everybody at Smoky Mountain. Still can't hear Derek. I don't know Derek, what's going we're, on. We're going we to we're gonna have to get like labels for your buttons, Derek. <laughs> Cause I'm, we're sure he's saying something very, very good, but I'm sure just can't sure. hear him. He's, he's deaf. Well, he's, I want to, I'll make a comment though, just as Derek's getting back together about Kyle stuff, talking about big tracks and stuff. And, uh, we, I still, we, I grew up going to big tracks too, five ace mile and, uh, Flemington, New Jersey, and Orange County, New York, and the half miles, Williams Grove, those kind of places, Penn National, the old track there, uh, the mile in Syracuse, New York. And I still like, actually, I mean, I, I, I don't want everything to be 3.8. I like these three, these quarter miles. They're good. Uh, but I still like seeing cars go super fast sometimes. And so let, I don't want everyone to get everything to just go away from big tracks. Although it is, I understand it is very, very tough to have a weekly big track, a weekly racing on these big racetracks. Uh, I think the same guys are, it's not like you, you make a racetrack smaller and different guys are going to win. The, the top guys are still going to win, but it gives more of the guys a, the thought that they could win. I mean, it keeps them more in the game. Uh, you know, you're not going to have hard 
you're not going to have a cr most likely you won't have crashes. They're just going to knock guys out for the rest of the month or the year and blow up motors uh, as, as often. Uh, so that's, that's definitely a, but I, I, I still want some bigger tracks sprinkled in. Uh, I, I like seeing cars go, you know, as fast as they're made to be going. Uh, and, and especially if those big tracks are prepared well, like Volusia. I mean, there, there's not much better than, I mean, I loved seeing Volusia last week or two weeks ago during the Dirt Car Nationals. There was some great race in there. Uh, it's something different than seeing a, a bull ring. And it was, I, man, it was pretty cool seeing Hudson O'Neill get on that gas and just flat out race. Uh, I still want to see that every once in a while. Maybe Derek, can, can we hear Derek? Can you hear now? me now? Can you there hear we me? go. <laughs> all right we, we, we got well, you derek all right perfect yeah i don't know i had it unmuted so it must have been a connection there uh you know a problem but i'm back we can continue the show Kovac, way to carry the load for me uh while i was trying to get back dialed in so uh thank you for that uh plenty of tracks as i was saying plenty of tracks you know in the past legendary tracks uh golden isles they used to be way bigger they shrunk it down that racing has been pretty good there the last couple of years one of my favorites they actually just built another racetrack in the infield in davenport when they got the quarter mile and they got rid of the half mile i remember like three or four years ago friday night they'd run the half mile and then saturday they run the quarter mile so they made the right decision because that's one of the raciest uh joints in america uh robert was there any tracks that stick out to you that you've noticed uh, when they switched uh configurations that maybe went for the better or maybe for the worse uh you know a, a couple come come to mind actually uh you know two tracks that were huge to begin with uh west virginia motor speedway and then i-70 what is currently known as i-75 uh speedway or raceway whatever it is there in, in east tennessee both of these tracks were huge and uh too big in my opinion and like you know like kevin said some people in as kevin likes the big racetracks and the speed some people just like to see a car go fast that's that's great and i prefer to see a good race you know if you go to alltech or volusia and the cars are going fast and you see a good race that's incredible that's awesome and that's what we all want but if you go to a place like West Virginia Motor Speedway, and you get 17, 18 cars, and the cars are all strung out, and the only and the only way you can pass somebody is if the car in front of you runs up behind somebody and gets an arrow push and you drive under them, that's just not good racing to me. It's hard on equipment, and I just don't, I don't like it. Uh, I think West Virginia Motor Speedway and I-75 um, at, at different eras here, by the way, we're not talking about these tracks did this within the same month of each other, but cause I went to uh, a $50,000 win race at West Virginia motor speedway in 2001. And the first time I'd ever been to I 75 was about five years ago. So, so these are, you know, different time frames. but West Virginia motor speedway went from a monster track, you know, and they reduced the size and it was still pretty big though. But then here recently i guess two years ago three years ago when the track changed hands they redid the track and put it back to its original configuration and i i i've said this time and time again the tr the facilities are phenomenal i just don't think that was the right decision to, if anything i think they should have made it even smaller They've got great facilities, great access right there by the interstate. They have everything that could have that could do wonders for that area of racing and for that facility itself. And you know, some people I think maybe get caught up in the nostalgia of this is what it was or this is what it used to be, or and it just I think they've if they had made that track smaller rather than gone back to the size that it was that they'd have more cars, they'd have more success, they'd have more cars in the support division. Uh, that's that's just my opinion for, for what it's worth. I-75, for instance, went smaller and it really was a little kind of a, kind of tricky to pass on, a little bit one lane, and sometimes it was really hard to get around. So what did they do last year before last season started? I think 
they increased the size of it. They didn't go back to where it was, to where it was like the Daytona of dirt, where it was so huge, but they just made what they took, what they had had and, and stretched it a little bit. So they continued to tweak it. And I think, you know, that was the right decision for them. They, I think that they, they saw that, well, what we did make wasn't as racy as it could be. It was a little bit too small to, to, to really have good side-by-side -side racing. So we're going to stretch this thing just a little bit and make it better. And I think that they did. And I think that that, that track races a little bit better. And I, and I guess I think the racetrack races a little bit cleaner than it did when they made it small, which means to me you don't have to wrinkle a quarter panel necessarily to get up and get beside somebody and get by them. Uh, that's kind of how I view I-75 now. So those are two tracks that were, if you ever went to them when they were their original size, man, those things were massive. And uh, and I just don't think that that promotes. It's, and like Kevin mentioned, the racing can get strung out on those tracks. And the way the cars are now so aero-dependent, it is almost impossible to drive up to somebody and pass them without doing kind of like what Hudson did at Volusia. Get up on the outside where, you know, where you can really, the track has to be prepared almost perfectly, a big track for you to have, even Eldora. We all love Eldora, but that track almost has to be prepared perfectly now to promote good side-by-side -side racing for the way our cars are now. Uh, the cars are so uh right front dependent so aero dependent they're they're, they're so they're, they're so much different than they were 20 years ago that sometimes you have to make adjustments if you're not going to make an adjustment to the race car how to promote good racing well let's maybe i guess we have to make an adjustment to the race track to promote good racing uh so but yeah you know and, and i remember the old golden isles too i was there when it was you know, oil clay, uh, you know, and yeah. uh, the old clay was oiled and was black and, and you running a, you're running 140 down the back straightaway at that place. And that was, that's the fastest place I've ever seen. Um, you know, I remember going back there in the early nineties too. So I've been to a bunch of these big places and you have to keep in mind that I grew up at a place like duck river, a little bull ring, a lot like the tracks that you grew up going to Derek. So that's just where, kind of my heart lies is I just prefer those little racetracks. Yeah, for sure. It's in like at golden Isles, like you said, it was so fast and had that so much oil on it and like tire wear, like they would put a white line around the bottom and it wouldn't even like smear off. Right. It was, it was stupid fast. It was like, <laughs> I got there the first time I went there was like 91 or 92. And then I went there several times all the way through 2001. And then uh, when I heard that they were going to shorten it and we're going to change some things. And of course, that's track. Keep in mind that Golden Isles has been changed multiple times. It was it was changed from from that surface and stuff. And where they I think they shortened, I think they shortened three and four. And then a few years later, they came back and, and reconfigured and did some more stuff. So it's also one of these places that has continued to evolve and gotten better. There's, you know, you can build, some, you can build a house and look at it. And it's like, I don't have enough closet space or I, I needed a, uh, we didn't need a three, we didn't need a three car garage because we can only afford two cars. Anyway, you can build a house and look back with regret and then and ch make some changes. What's to say you can't do a racetrack the same way. You know, you can look at a racetrack and say, there are things that we can approve upon let's do that to make it better for everybody. Uh, you know, Duck River, for instance, when I first went there, it was a, when I was a kid, it was really small. If anyone's been to Duck River Speedway in, in Middle Tennessee, it's small already. But when I first started going there and when it was first, it was first built in 73. When I first started going there in about 76 or 77, it was really small. And they, they stretched, they've stretched, uh, the first reconfiguration, I think they added track to turns three and four at Duck River to make it a little longer. So, you know, and it still races good. It's still not huge. It's not big. It's still a bull ring. So, you know, there can be tracks that are too small and you can fix them, but, you know, don't be, I think promoters 
a it's expensive to make all these changes yeah so kudos to any promoter who goes out on a limb and says we're going to do what's best for everybody by spending this money so kudos to, to these promoters who take the risk because it is a risk financially long term you know yeah, that's what i was going to go uh, ahead go ahead have kyle elaborate a little bit like davenport when they had the half mile racetrack when i was first started at dirt under that place would be jam-packed i'm sure smoky mountain for all their special shows or jam-packed other racetracks across the country you know the promoter's like if it ain't broke don't fix it so to take that risk to make the racing better you know that's that's a big risk risk isn't it kyle because like i mentioned like davenport when they had the half mile you that place was you know packed and when we went to the quarter mile it wasn't as packed, but then once they got the racing better and better with the quarter mile, it opened up people's eye because Iowa is obviously a big half mile race tracks all across that state. So it is definitely a big risk for the promoters. And when they do make that decision, they got to hope and pray that racing is good because maybe the fans won't come. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I never saw any races at the Davenport half mile, but last year, you know, I showed up to a summer nationals race at the Davenport quarter mile and you know, like that half mile, like that's a big half mile, just like walking around um, the grounds of Davenport. And, and so, but I mean, you hit it on the head there, Derek, like Iowa is in, in that area surrounding Iowa. I mean, that's all that, that's all that they really have or there's more half miles in Iowa than any other track. So, or just like any other um, sized racetrack. So I think you also have to look at your region too, and how as a promoter, you know, how is my racetrack going to fit into the, to um, our racing scene. Right. And ultimately it comes, it comes down to how, or how can we best serve our drivers and how can we best serve our fans? So, and I mean, Davenport's a perfect example of that. Right. I mean, as you mentioned, I never saw any races at the Davenport half mile, but um, you know, as you're kind of telling those stories of, of that, they've had no problem or that they had no problems at the ticket gate, getting people in to watch their races on the half mile. And, and now, you know, to take that next step on, on the quarter mile, right. To leverage that and to elevate their racetrack even more to now more on the national level, because I'll be honest, I didn't, I first heard about Davenport and what they had going on over there with the quarter mile racetrack. I didn't hear anything now granted that you know now being involved more covering the sport personal scene of course i was going to come across davenport at some point in time but i didn't point in case what i'm trying to say is i didn't hear about davenport until you know their quarter mile racetrack you know that's all that i know davenport for uh, personally so um i think it all 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 depends on, as I said, you know, how can a track promoter, track operator, you know, best use their resources to serve their racers in their region, right? I mean, as much as, you know, if I'm a track owner, what would I rather have? A few special events per year uh, to cater to the national tours or do I, or do I favor having a really successful weekly track where I have multiple divisions that flourish for my regional racers, right? I would probably lean toward running a successful weekly track for my regional racers. And so rather than just having, you know, being a facility that is only special based or, you know, special show based, right? Um, and so that's just me personally. Um, if I was in that, uh, role or, or in that scenario. So, I mean, those are just kind of some variables that if I had to put my track promoter or track owner hat on that I would probably be thinking of. And so, uh, it's good for the sport, you know, to, to, to keep reinvesting, to keep investing, to evolve as a sport i mean we all need to evolve or, or think of ways to how we are going to progress 
and to continue to keep things fresh in our sport. And so it's good. It's a good topic of conversation. And so, as I said, it's, uh, it's been, it's been done. Um, I, I would say, you know, there are, are more stories and, in more cases of, of tracks read of tracks being redesigned and coming out on the better end of it on the more positive end of it. Right. Then they had regressed. So I think that alone perhaps gives, you know, track owners, track operators, if they have the resources and the financial means to go ahead and take that, you know, go out on a limb. Cause it's just like history has shown that, uh, that return on investment will probably pay off. So, yeah. Yeah, I like the good points there, Kyle McFadden. You should just be a promoter, I feel like. Maybe one day you can, you'll be in the position where to make the decision of making your track smaller or bigger. Kovac Cherokee, they have a big race coming up this weekend, uh, 20K to win. They've had some uh, reconfiguring as well. But before you talk about that, has there ever been a track that went from smaller to bigger, like like significantly? Well, I, actually, I know. I mean, I'm not. They don't run late models. They they're one late model race uh, for the outlet. They've run one one late model race was extreme late models back in 2004. Uh, it's a big block track from uh, New Jersey at New Egypt Speedway. That used to be a little tiny quarter mile asphalt track. I mean, it was small. Never was there when it was when it was asphalt. But I've seen video and. Uh, it was a little place, and then they went. It, it was it was purchased by some dirt people, and uh, you know in the late 90s, and they recreated that racetrack, made it bigger. It was up to four tenths of a mile. I mean, and uh, and actually, I think that they thought maybe it was too big at that point. And they and and you talk about tracks that have like they they do restructure and 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 make tweaks and. New Egypt has been tweaked several times. It's never gone back to a quarter mile, but there was a one point there was a, a, a little bit of a dog leg in the back stretch. They kind of took that away, made it change some things in the banking. I mean, it, it's it's definitely been an evolving racetrack. Uh, but as far as going bigger, that's one place that I can I definitely know uh, was bigger. Never was small. Never was a quarter mile dirt track. It was only asphalt as a quarter mile, but it definitely got bigger over the years. Uh, and, and tweaked a little bit. Cherokee is one. I, I've never been to Cherokee, but man, that place is a, that, that was a big one. I, I believe that, I th- believe Tim Hitt went out of the ballpark when it was the old track, right? I mean, the old, the big, the the biggest size it was, right, Robert? Back in those late nineties or whenever, when uh, that that picture of Tim Hitt going out of the ballpark, I think, if he, uh, if I think he where did, he, he was one of, if he was one of several who've left there because that place yeah. was, was pretty dangerous. <laughs> right and i believe where he went out now is like where he would have landed i mean that wouldn't that'd be more of the pit area right i believe where the where he went off the track uh, again i'm not <laughs> not totally sure of that but um they've they it's not a tiny racetrack now it's definitely i wouldn't i don't think it would consider Cher- cherokee a bullring but it is smaller it's still pretty fast it's still uh pretty hard on tires and all but that's probably more of a you know that that southern red clay that's just going to be more abrasive than uh, than other racetracks, and they do run some afternoon longer shows, you know, with some of their some of their Sunday afternoon specials and stuff. So uh, I guess uh, the Cherokee's sort of a, a special case. But we go back when you, when you did mention West Virginia Motor Speedway too, Robert earlier, and uh, I, I think <laughs> I think the the way they shortened that track up about ten years ago. It, it 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 just wasn't right. I mean, it was too much. That made it worse almost. I think when they when I saw racing there, that made a real dangerous third turn because all they did was bring in that th- and it was such a big from the front stretch to the back stretch is so much space uh, that made it really really difficult to and without moving all those light poles and guardrails and everything, uh, it was going to be much more difficult to uh, to do anything other than pulling three and four and that just it wasn't a good, uh, it wasn't a good swing going into turn three, and it just didn't work. And they, and of course, now they're back to the bigger track. Uh, it would be great to see West Virginia like shrink it down to like the side, like a Bridgeport Speedway uh, that uh, Kyle mentioned uh, was a huge racetrack. Now it's like more stretched. It, it's more uh, 
shrunken down to like right in front of the grandstand. Just no, there's the cars don't go past you. Everything's right in front of you. And, and that would be, a, I think would be really good for West Virginia. Of course, it just takes money to do that. And it'd be a lot of, uh, a lot of excavation work, I think, to get, uh, to get it, uh, to get it done at West Virginia. That's a, that's a thing that, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. You better take some dollars to do it. It would take, it would take lots of dollars to go back. So let's start a GoFundMe, say we're going to reconfigure West Virginia Motor. <laughs> we can just reconfigure all the racetracks to make them a little smaller, you know? Uh, we don't need that. I don't want every racetrack being small, like I said. I want some big – we're not, we're not touching Volusia. Look at Volusia. They actually ran the – they built the third mile, and they started running when the, when the big half mile was paved, and they ran the third mile, and everybody – didn't like that as much and went to, they wanted to have the dirt on the big track and they put the dirt back down on the big track. And it's been like that for 25 years. Uh, well, more than 20, yeah, 25 years now that they, they've been back to the dirt on the big one. So uh, that, that's, I guess that's a little bit of an example of going back to big uh, rather than uh, shrinking down the track. Yes. Plenty of tracks in dirt late model history that have reconfigured from bigger to smaller, maybe a rare occasion where they make it a little bit bigger. Uh, Smoky Mountain, obviously this weekend, World of Outlaws will be there. Uh, 10,000 on Friday, and I think 15 on Saturday. So they got the track all a little bit smaller at that legendary place in Tennessee. So we'll have to wait and see. But all in all, it should be some good fun. Robert, kick us off with one more thing. Uh, I just wanted well, one more thing is is obviously with uh, with not much action going on this past weekend. Uh, uh, don't really have much, but I wanted to remind people that we did kick off last week our top 25 power rankings, and uh, Hudson O'Neill, obviously with the, uh, his great performance, uh, the second half of Speed Weeks is on top. And I thought it was I, – I, somebody can correct me later on down the road if I'm wrong in this, but I thought it was interesting that every driver in, our, in the poll, all 1 through 25, I think have – competed in an event so far this year i don't think there's anybody that made our uh that made our top 25 uh just kind of scrolling down through here looking at it uh yeah there's there's nobody in our top 25 that has not ran a race this year so uh, if you want to be in the poll early on you got to get out and race that's the way the voters voted yeah, for sure. Did we do a preseason poll or was that kind of it? I forgot. I mean, there was so much racing. No, we didn't really do a preseason poll. It was just, uh, well, there is no right. preseason. There's no off season. There's no nothing. Right. Uh, we started racing in Votto, took that into account. All of our racing that we did during speed weeks took that into account. And this is our poll. So, uh, so like I said, nobody made it. If you haven't raced yet, you weren't on it. Nope. Get out there, get to a racetrack. So you can be in the top 25. Uh, Kyle McFadden, how about you? Yeah, kind of mentioned it early on in the show, but Port Royal Speedway, my uh, favorite track to go to races at. Uh, they're opening up their season this Sunday, 2 o'clock. Weekly late models are in action live on Flow Racing, so make sure you catch it uh, on, on Flow. And, uh, you know, they are one of the many weekly racetracks uh, that will start to open up here in the month of March. So make sure to to catch all of that on uh, our Flow Racing platform. Yeah, just speaking of like sprint car racing in that area, how about Lincoln the other night? Holy cow, they had that Thursday night race jam-packed. Had another race uh, later on the weekend. Pretty good crowd. That was uh, great to see. Obviously, streaming's hurting racing, so... You can look at that account. The crowds were, you know, very small. Oh, wait, no, they were huge. Uh, my one more thing is, Kovac, you like this one. Rick Eckert posted, a, you know, his ride for 2023, the scrub, the Hall of Famer, the legend, my boy, first ever swap talk appearance. I tweeted out, you guys are all in big trouble. He's going to continue on to, to race uh, probably select events in 2023. But I just uh, – I think it's pretty cool because uh, the generation of the older guys that I grew up watching, more and more of them are retiring. You had a lot of you had a lot of young guys racing at Speed Weeks, uh, so you know Eckert he'll win a few races this year. So that, that was my one more thing. He's got that red uh, 
zero car that we've been familiar with the last couple of years. So shout out to my boy, Rick Eckert. That is my one more thing. Kovac, finish it off for us. Yeah, Rick Ecker, he doesn't age, so he's going to go on for a long time. He he'll looks be, younger he'll than you now, Kovac. He just, he just keeps looking younger. I don't know about him, right? I mean, he's a, he's More always suntanned, and you look at that. Man, he's just – he's always going to look young. Uh, yeah, my looks, one more thing, I just want to – yeah, one, for one more thing. I mentioned this quick in uh, Fast Talk uh, on Monday. Uh, repeated here. But if you look at Brandon Overton's uh, – schedule he has every lucas oil series race through the show me 100 at the end of may Uh-oh. now posted on his website it didn't have that before speed weeks during speed weeks uh the question was will he do it to try to be in that top four to to go and you know oh, with the yes, final four try. third track world championship in in october it would be kind of dumb for him not to uh, take a shot of a two hundred thousand dollars uh if he could get in that top four, he'll have a good shot at winning $300,000. He can win the race and the championship. So looks like he's got it. everything through the end of Mar- end of May. And I'd imagine uh, uh, if he's doing it, if he's going that far, if he's going to the Midwest and all through the early season here, he's going, he has planned to go to Brownstown and, uh, and uh, uh, Atomic in Ohio in a few weeks of weather permitting. I think it's pretty good that he's going to be all in on uh, on going for the Lucas Oil Championship this year. Big sexy. Looking forward to seeing you at Macon coming up that, because that's been in, before the Show Me 100. So that would be very interesting to see because he always says, Swab, I suck at bowl rings. So Braden Overton, <laughs> a great little nugget there. We'll be trying to, you know, maybe attempt to run the Lucas Oil Series. Well, guys, a uh, great show as always. Big weekend for the World of Outlaws as they head to Smoky Mountain, the newly reconfigured Smoky Mountain. You can catch it on Dirt Vision. Uh, Robert will be there on the grounds getting some nice notes, stories, and uh, some updates. Uh, we'll have other stuff on our website as well, so be sure to check it out at dirtondirt.com. And we'll have plenty of racing live. We'll have the Spring Nationals on Flow Racing, so be sure to check that out. I'm Derek Kessinger. We'll see you next week on the Dirt Reporters. Thank you for watching.